for what I get when I come together with our church, and so appreciate you all. There's, the Bible says that when two or more are gathered in Jesus' name, that he's here in our midst. And I'm going to be talking today about some of the things about how we get, how we grow in God and how he transforms us. It's kind of mystical. It's, it's kind of, you can't really quantify it or lay out a 10-step plan, but there are things that God does by his spirit that are beyond our comprehension. And I know I experience that when we, we come together, and it has everything to do, it has a whole lot to do with the expectancy and the faith of people that are, that are believing throughout the week, they're in the battle, and we're coming together to, to honor God and build our, build our relationships, build our community. There's something that we get from that. So thank you all for coming with faith and being in the battle together, because I need that. We, we are, as Rob said, we're kicking off this new message series called, What Are You Thinking? Like, what are you thinking? And this, the inspiration for this is verse in James, chapter 3, verse 4, where the Apostle James says, Look at the ships also, although they are so large, think of a massive ocean, old-fashioned ship, and they're driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. And he goes on to say that your tongue is like the rudder of that ship, that Although our lives are big and there are all sorts of ocean currents and, and winds blowing, that our tongue has the power to chart the course and set the course for our life in a very powerful way. And actually today, though, before we really talk about the words that you speak, we're going to talk about not just what are you saying or what are you saying out loud, but what are you saying internally? Because before we say something with our mouth, we say something, there are thoughts that we are saying to ourselves in our minds, right? I mean, not, sometimes we don't, it doesn't seem like that happens. Just the words come out, we're like, where did that come from? But really, Jesus said that the, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And whatever is going on in our heart, in our mind, that really is even more foundational than, we have to get that before we talk about what we speak. And so, um, I was, you know, it's amazing just the power of our minds and the power of our thoughts. I was on Friday night, I, I went by Sagar, who led, led us in a time of communion, and Sagar, thanks so much, that was just really meaningful, helped really just so good. Um, but on Friday night, Sagar and his wife Katie host a game night and a Bible study at their house. There are it's a group of internationals and some Americans that are there, and I was there this Friday night. And there were two games, there's this game called Quelf, which I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's, I think it was made by a third grader or something, it's a bunch of, makes you do a, bunch, do a bunch of silly things and say a bunch of silly things. But before that, there was this game of movie trivia, where Sagar had put together all these quotes from movies, and then it was multiple choice, A, B, or C, which movie did that come from? And, you know, I'm not, I like movies, but I, my, I didn't know that I would do so well, but I was happy when I saw it was multiple choice. Because I you know, feel like you can usually game the system with multiple choice and sort of figure out you know, what the right answer is. But it was amazing that as soon as Sagar starts explaining this game that we're going to play, and I'm here, and just going, hey, I'm here to like, build relationships and have fun and you know, just help other people have a good experience. But something like as soon as the idea of a competition enters my mind, things start to change. And all at once, like, my heart starts beating faster. And I can just sort of feel the, like, the alertness level increase. I'm kind of looking around, like, who's in the room? How, what teams are going to be put together? And I'm telling myself, settle down, settle down. This is just for fun, but it's like, that's, that's physiologically, just like, 
something is going on. And I felt like I was about like getting ready to run a race or something like that. Same sort of like adrenaline and just feeling like all at once, like I was kind of sluggish in my mind, but just this idea of a competition, like that thought process started changing things. And it's amazing how the thoughts that we think affect us in, in so many ways. In, in Proverbs 23, 7, the Bible says that as a person thinks in their heart, as he thinks in his heart, so he is. Our life is, a, it is, we are the, the sum of what we're thinking in our heart in very many ways. And so, man, this is, this is a powerful thought, the idea that, that the thoughts that we have determine the experience of our lives, and that's, that's a really a big deal. But it's also really scary and dangerous, right? Because, I mean, I was, I was getting ready to start, like, you know, pushing people out of the way and, you know, doing whatever it takes to win this competition because of these thoughts that were kind of taking over in my, in my mind. And it's, that's a powerful thing, and it's really scary because it's so easy to be deceived in our thoughts, right? Like, how often are we so sure that we're right of something, and then we find out, oh, I, I was wrong. There was no possible way in my mind that I wasn't seeing that accurately. And then we come to find, oh, I wasn't. Even in this game, I mean, it was funny. Is where there are these multiple choices, these, these quotes are coming on the screen. And I'm going, okay, there's a quote. I know I've heard that quote before. This happened more than once in my mental processes. I know I've heard that quote. I can't quite place it. But I know I saw two of those movies and not the third movie. So it's definitely not in the third movie, because I never saw it. And I know I heard that quote before. And so I was making some, in my mind, educated guesses. And lo and behold, no, that quote was from the third movie that I've never even seen. That somehow, in my mind, it, I was sure that I had heard that quote and was familiar with it somewhere. But it was from some movie I'd never even heard of, never had a conversation of. But my mind convinced me, my thoughts convinced me that that was going on. So it's so... It's so easy to be deceived. And so it really matters, like, that what thoughts are we listening to? What thoughts are we believing? What input, what mental input is going into our heads? Because it determines the course of our life. And it's easy to be deceived. It's easy to be driven off course from that. So, um, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to think of some of the kind of toxic thoughts, unhealthy thoughts that, that can affect our thinking. I'm just going to throw it out to you all. What are, just, what are some categories of unhealthy thoughts that people you know of sometimes have? Other people, yes. Not, not you, but people that you, you know, it would be helpful for them to know some of these categories. Just throw some out there. Okay, so belittling, it's a condemnation or self-degradation. Yeah, huge. So common. Hatred. hatred. Yeah, straight up hatred. I mean, how powerful and easy is, for, is that? Judgmental. judgmental, yeah, being judgmental, critical towards others. Lying. Lying, yeah. I mean, it's funny. I never had to teach my kids how to lie. Yeah, it just sort of like comes naturally, yeah, for us. Good. What else? Perfectionism. Yeah, I've got to be perfect. Or I'm a failure. I know some people who sometimes have that thought. I've, yeah, it really, really doesn't help them at all. Yeah. Good, well, we could go on and on. There's anxiety, right, and worry. 
there's lustful thoughts. Um, the whole thing about, about porn is such an epidemic in our, in our world today because it feeds that thought process that ends up very much affecting the way we view other people and treating other people. Um, passivity is passive thoughts, like, oh, I just want to play it safe. Um, Self-pity, um, addiction, like, oh, I, that thing, that, that substance or that practice, like, that's going to give me something, I really need that. We could go on and on with all the, the toxic sort of thoughts that, that affect our lives. And so it's easy to see how, how we can be affected in a negative way, but how can that process change? How can our thoughts change? That's the real, the real question. So fortunately, God has some things to say to us in his words. So we're going to look in, starting in Romans chapter 11, verse 33, looking at how the rudder of our thoughts can move and change and produce the kind of thinking in life that God has for us. So I'm, I want to pray for us before we, before we go any further. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your spirit. Lord, as we look at your word, would you cause your word, your truth, to come alive in our hearts and minds? Lord, would you bring revelation? Would you bring transformation? Would you speak to us right where we need to hear what you have to say? Lord, we want to give you free reign, full reign, to have your way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 11.33 starts out saying, and it's this, probably this song that the early church would, would sing. So, I'm not going to sing it for you. You can be thankful for that. But we'll just read it here. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. It's, it's good that this starts out as a declaration of praise to God for how great he is, how powerful he is, how beyond us and bigger than us he is. And it's, it's important to realize that to change our thoughts, we need someone bigger than us. We need, there's something that happens even when we get our minds off ourselves and think about God and focus on him and worship him, that it brings health to our, to our minds and to our thinking. It says, how unsearchable his judgments, his paths are beyond tracing out. We're going to get into this later, but God's ways are not illogical, but they're supralogical. They're, they're beyond our puny mind's ability to understand. And so if we want, God wants to bring us into a higher level of thinking. And so the starting point is realizing, okay, my brain is not big enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough com- computing power. But God has this wisdom that's so beyond me. And I want to present myself before him and receive his wisdom. He goes on, who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Now that's a great song. Maybe one of our worship team, Michael, maybe you could put this to modern music and we could sing this. That would that'd be great. So there's, it starts out with this song of praise and then it transitions into the next verse is the start of chapter 12. And Paul's writing, he says, Therefore, I urge you, and whenever there's a therefore in the Bible, it's important to ask, what is it therefore? Right? So therefore, it's talking about this, this song of praise, about how, how great God is and how his wisdom is 
beyond us. It says, therefore, because of how, who God is, His wisdom, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. So, man, because God is so great, so, so holy, so wise, our natural response is to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to Him. And it says, this is your spiritual worship. And that word, it's translated differently in different, different translations of the Bible. Sometimes it says reasonable worship. Um, sometimes it says um, like pleasing and acceptable worship. But literally it means, it's, it's this word, like, uh, my Greek's not, that very, not very good, but logical. And it's the idea of logical according to God. Again, it's not God is illogical, but he's supralogical. It's the wisdom of God that is wise from his perspective. And that's really what we're going to be getting at. We're trying to get at today is how do we have the wisdom, the thoughts of God that are from his perspective. It's spiritual, spiritual wisdom, because it comes from a source beyond natural means. He goes on and says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to the natural way of thinking all around us and in our culture and the way we naturally think, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God is inviting us to have our thinking transformed, to have new thoughts, new ways of thinking come to us. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so, this is really what we're all about, is the transformation of our minds. And the problem is, I'm going to just keep beating this drum all morning. We try to, tran- to fix our minds with our minds. Our thinking is messed up, and we try to use our minds to fix our minds. It's kind of like a friend of mine told me the story that when he was in high school, and he wasn't serving God at the time, he was, he was doing drugs with his friends one day. And in the middle of, you know, they were, they were passing whatever around, they were, I think it was marijuana, his friend said, you know, people say that doing drugs is bad for your brain. It kills brain cells. But that's not true. I feel great. Man, this isn't hurting my brain at all. This is great for my brain. And my friend said, even in my drug-induced state, I realized there's something wrong with this picture. That the thing that he's saying isn't being affected is the thing that he's using, using to measure the quality of his brain. That's, that, that doesn't work. But that's, that's what we do so often. We need something bigger than our own minds to fix our minds, to renew our minds. We need the thoughts of God. And I remember I, uh, when we were, my wife, was, I always think it's funny when people say, we had a baby. Or we're pregnant, because no, it's not really true. My wife was pregnant. She had the baby. And I remember uh, when she, in the hospital, when she would, when she would um, be in childbirth, she wasn't really a big fan of that process. But the thing that helped her get through it, one of the things was having an object. Like it would be just like a, a diaper bag across the room. And as the labor pains are coming, the thing that helped her get through it was just focusing on that diaper bag across the room. And 
I see that little picture on the diaper bag. And she's just like zeroing in on that because all the stuff going on internally was, was too much. If she would think about that, it would be overwhelming. But if she would see something else, it would help get her mind off that. And, you know, I remember once, like, making the mistake of getting in her line of vision between her and the diaper bag. And that wasn't a good move. Let's, let's leave it at that. Um, because, man, that was, that was really important. So the question is, we, to, to renew our minds, to change our minds, there's something else we've got to set our minds on. Romans 8, and this is where I'm going to warn you. We're going to get a little mystical here. All right? I didn't plan to go here. As I was preparing this message, basically I thought, it's going to be, how do you renew your mind? Well, we take our thoughts, and we recognize that they're broken, and then we realize that God's word is true, and we replace our thoughts with God's truth from his word, and that's how our mind is renewed. And that is all true. But as I started preparing for today's message, I realized there's a whole other dimension going on beyond that, because it's, that can be just a matter of us still being in control. Still us, our mind being the thing that like, well, I'm going to solve my problem. I'm going to like change my thoughts and replace it with this. And we still kind of have the driver's seat. And there's a whole other level of how this happens. That's, it's a little mystical. It's a little supernatural. And I know we're in Manhattan, Kansas, but that's okay. <laughs> All right? There's, that's, that's part of this universe we live in. There's more than what our natural minds can grab onto and, and hold onto. So Romans 8, verses 5. Through eight. And read here. Those who live according to the flesh, and the flesh is talking about our our fallen souls. It's talking about our fallen thoughts, our minds, and our emotions, our hearts, our wills, the part in us that is affected by sin, that wants to be in control. And naturally is in control. Our natural way of thinking, our natural way of, th- of feeling, our natural way of deciding. Those fleshly impulses. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Hey, that's, their mind is set on what their flesh desires. And so, we are living in the flesh. We're living according to these broken, fallen, messed up ways of living. Because that's what our mind is set on. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the Spirit. You just hold on there. Think about that. I mean, because it's okay, don't set your mind on the flesh, set your mind on the Spirit. But how do you set your mind on Spirit? That's kind of like nailing jello to a wall, right? Like, it's a Spirit, it's a spiritual thing. And we, it would be easy, easier for us to say, hey, set your mind on God than on the Spirit. Or set your mind on the Father. Or set your mind on Jesus. Or are we kind of like, okay, yeah, I can set my mind on Jesus. Like, you know, he's tangible. The Father, okay. But set your mind on the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, I don't know. It's mystical, like I said. It's spiritual. But it's what we're supposed to do. It goes on. It says, The mind set on the flesh is death. But to, to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. 
For the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So there it is. If we are in the flesh, if we're in our natural way of thinking and feeling, we can't please God. And we experience death. But if our mind is set on the Spirit, we experience life and peace. And so, man, that's, that's a whole lot better. But again, it's, it's less common, right? Does anyone else besides me kind of struggle with this? Like, what, is, what does that mean? How do you set your mind on the Spirit? It's, it's hard for us, but it's very common in Scripture. Jesus said things like in, in John 4, 24, He said, God is Spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in Spirit and truth. Again, we're here in a university town in Kansas. We're like, no, man, can't I worship God according to propositions and facts about who he is? Like, what does it mean to worship God in spirit and truth? Like, man, you're going to get really weird on me. But there's, we can't come into God if our natural limited mind, there's a greater dimension of the spiritual that is what transforms us. So, like I said, I'm beating the, beating the drum here this morning. I, yesterday... Why do we need this? Because our minds are broken. Our flesh is fallen. We're stuck in our ways of thinking. They limit us. Yesterday, we were driving, to, driving down I-70, and there's that, there's that ranch at about mile marker 340 that's got like this huge spread and all these cattle, and they've got zebras. Have you guys seen the zebras on I-70? There's like, a, like seven zebras out there or something. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. You won't think you see zebras in Kansas, but they're there, and we've, we've seen them many times. But... Um, Reagan and I were driving, and we had our two youngest kids with us, and Amzie, our youngest, is seven, and she had never seen the zebras before. And interestingly enough, she's, her window is on the side where that ranch is, and we drive by, and she's like, oh, look at those animals. And we're like, yeah, Amzie, those are zebras. It's really cool. And she had the best view of anybody. But she's like, no, those aren't zebras. Those must be cows. And we're like, no, Amzie, those are zebras. And she, like, was not able to see the zebras. Okay, black and white striped horses on the prairie. Her mind is telling her, no, there aren't zebras in Kansas. They must be cows. I know. You guys are trying to pull another trick on me. You're always teasing me. I'm too smart for you. That, you've, you know, you've done it before, you're not going to do it this time. That's a cow. Those are cows. And try as we could to convince her. She was not able to see it until we had passed by. And I was just thinking, man, what a picture that is. Of like, there are things of God, like there are zebras in your life. There are things better than the norm that God has for us. But oftentimes, we're stuck in this, the way we naturally see things. And because our minds are set on our flesh, set on the natural way of thinking, we fail to see the better things that God has for us. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. We need something beyond, beyond our own minds. I want to read another passage here, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this is just talking about this process. What, is, what does this mean? How, is, how does this work? 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. This is Paul the Apostle writing. He says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. 
So there is a wisdom. It's supra-rational. It's different than what the culture says. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden. It's hidden. It's not easy to see. And that God designed, destined, God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now just, it's interesting to just think about that. The greatest wisdom of God in sending his son and having him killed for our sins, like that didn't make any sense. Even to the, even to the devil and his forces, who they're pretty intelligent, but they didn't realize that God had something greater, more wise, more powerful going on, and something that looked like a win for evil. And that's so often the case in our life. That we are in situations that look like, man, there is no good. This is just a bad thing. But God in his sovereignty and his wisdom is wanting to do and is doing something good if we can just have faith and see and align our minds and our faith with what he's doing. So it goes on. The next verse, chapter 9. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared... For those who love him. Man, it's good to go beyond our minds because it's the goodness of God. It's the promises of God. It's something really good. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. So how do we know the really good things that God has for us? How do we find out? By his spirit. He reveals it to us by his spirit. All right. You can go home now. (laughs) Have fun with that. No, God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. Let's keep reading here. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except a man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And so this is saying there's the spirit, and then there's the thoughts of, of people. And we, um, Sawyer, can you go back to that diagram that I skipped over a little bit ago? This is, we showed this last week, but this is, this is you. One of these is you. We talked about this last week, but... When God made people, he made us as triune beings, spirit, soul, and body. So we're spiritual. The Bible says when God made people, he breathed into them, and they became, that word breath is the word spirit. God's spirit came into us, we became a living being. But then when sin happened, and so at the beginning there was spirit, we are soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, and our body, and they're all good. They're all part of who God made us in his image. But then when sin entered the world, we became spiritually dead. And that's the second picture. Our spirit, which was meant to be the governing, driving part of our life, we became spiritually dead. And our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, it became transcendent. It took the high place. And so our, our corrupted ways of thinking and feeling and desires, that is what naturally rules people's lives when we're born. And our bodies, too, became under the power of sin and sickness and temptation and all of that. When someone believes in Jesus and is born again, 
what happens is the third picture, our spirit is recreated, resurrected. We have a, a new spirit. Righteous, blameless, undefiled. The, the righteousness of God is what is in us. And then we still have this, this soul and this body that there's some transformation that, that begins to happen right away, but it's a process. It's not immediate. And so the process of walking with God is, is our spirit and the spirit of God bringing truth and transformation to the rest of our being. Now, it's very interesting that when the Bible uses the word spirit, like in the passage we're reading right now in 1 Corinthians, the translators don't know, oftentimes, if it's talking about God's spirit, capital S, or our spirit, little s, the spirit of a born-again believer. Because what happens when someone is born again is that our spirit is, is born again. And it becomes united with the Spirit of God. And God's Spirit lives inside of us. And that's, I mean, that sounds heretical. Like, if I were to come up with a religion that said that, you should stone me. Because, like, that's like, sounds like you're saying you're God or something. But, I mean, you, yeah, anyway. You really shouldn't stone me because it's what God said, so it's true. But catch my drift. That's, it's, it's amazing when it says the Spirit, it's hard to know. Is this, because it's, it's one. We're not God, but God's Spirit lives in us. And it's learning to, to give a place, the proper place, to our spirit and to, to feed that and to seek God's spirit to fill us and rule us more and more. That's really this process of transformation. And so how do we have our minds renewed? It's not by focusing on our minds, but it's setting our minds on God, on God's spirit, on spiritual things. And as we look to him and as we use our our spider senses, so to speak, our spirit senses that God has given us, and develop those, there's something miraculous that happens, and God transforms us. Let me go back to the end of that 1 Corinthians passage in um, verse 15 and 16. It says, The spirit searches all things. Or, yeah, 15. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgments. For he has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. God has given us his mind in putting his spirit within us. So what do we do with this? Well, I, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. But I just want to give us some sort of, sort of practical stuff to do with this. Um, first of all, we've got to receive the spirit. And if you have not... Get, come to Jesus and put your faith in him, then that's what, ha- that's what God invites you to do, is say, Lord, I turn from my sin and I trust in you. Give me a new nature. Come and resurrect my spirit. Make me a new person. And God gives us his spirit when we're born again. Um, but there's also this thing of, this imp- it's important to ask God to fill us with his spirit. The disciples, when Jesus was resurrected, he came to them and he breathed on them and he said, receive the spirit. But then he's, and they, they, that's, I believe that's when they were born again. But then he said, hey, but don't go do anything yet. Don't go try to follow my mission until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. And they waited until God's Spirit was, and they prayed, and then God's Spirit came upon them in a way that brought boldness and power and spiritual gifts. And so it's important to, to come to God and say, God, I know there's more of you. I want more of your power. I want more of your fullness. I want your Spirit to over." To, to, to bring your boldness and your power to, to be greater than my mind. And that's, that's what the Bible says, being filled with the Spirit. Ask God to fill you and then continually 
refill you. We can set our minds on the Spirit. And that's, that's just turning our minds and saying, God, I'm focusing on you. I'm looking to you. I can do that through worship. We can do that as we, as we read the Bible. Like, God, I, I don't just want to read these words with my mind, but God, would you, by your Spirit, make these words come alive to me? Would you speak to me? Would you bring new life, renewal to me? We can meditate on spiritual things and set our mind on the things of God and look to Him and trust Him in that process to, to activate His Spirit more and more, more and more in our lives. Um, you know, there's spiritual gifts to seek. There's a whole world of, of God's Spirit to say, God, I know there's, there's more. I, I want to be open to whatever you have for me. And would you activate that and help me to, to, to set my mind on the Spirit more and more? And I know this is not natural for me. And even, uh, this happens to me regularly, but in a pretty pronounced way, a couple weeks ago, I was just having a couple of really hard days. And I was just feeling all sorts of feelings of discouragement, of tiredness, and just all these thoughts of inadequacy and failure and being overwhelmed and being mentally tired and all this stuff coming at me. And I, for like a couple days, I was, I was trying to fight that. I was trying to change my mind. I was trying to change what was going on in my mind. And it wasn't really working. I was trying to, like, okay, what, what would, what should, what's the right thing to think here? What would God tell me to think here? And I was, I was even reading the Bible and, and praying some, and, but it wasn't really doing anything. And finally it hit me. You know, I'm like, it's just mental gymnastics. I'm like, I'm trying to like win this battle in my mind with my mind. It's mental gymnastics going on and on and on, and it's not really happening, but I forgot that it's about a relationship with God. And I'm like trying to do what God would tell me to do instead of saying, God, what do you want to do? God, I need help. I need a source beyond myself to get me out of this mess that I find myself in. And so I just cried out to God and said, God, would you help me? Well, I can't do this. I need you to change my thinking. I need you to, to help deliver me from my enemies. And it was like the thing broke. You know, God showed up in my life and my thinking just cleared up. And I had a sense of his presence. I had a sense that he was for me. I had a sense that, okay, no, I'm not called to do this by myself. But there is a God, and he is real, and he is with me, and he is for me. And he's the one delivering me from my enemies, not myself. And it was that setting my mind on the Spirit that allowed me to experience the power of the Spirit coming into my life, coming into my situation, coming into my circumstance. And that's really what what it takes. That's really what God invites us to do, is to, to turn to Him in that way. You know, this is really just something for us to walk out in, in our own individual ways. It looks different in, in different ways. He can't give you, a, you know, ten, ten steps to having a spirit-led life. It's, it's not quite that, that straightforward. But it's looking to God and saying, God, I want more of you. I want everything you have for me. And I just want to really um, invite you, wherever you're at this morning, to say, God, I, I want to learn. I want to go deeper in letting your spirit transform me and renew my thinking. So I just want to pray. Um, and I, I want to invite you to, if you're like, you know, I don't know that I've ever received a new spirit. Or I don't know that I've ever 
been filled with the Holy Spirit. That's something to ask God for. And you can ask God for that on your own. It's a great thing to ask someone else to pray with you and ask to activate spiritual gifts or activate more of the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, I would encourage you to do that. We're, if you want to do that even after we close our service today or, um, or whenever this week or whenever, that would be a great thing. But I just want to um, invite you to do that. I'm going to pray and ask that God would help lead us in that process. So let's, let's pray together. Lord, I thank you. Thank you that your wisdom is, is beyond our wisdom. Your help is beyond our ability, our power. Well, thank you that you made us to be spiritual beings. Thank you that you made us to have our minds set on you. And Lord, I, I just ask that you would, you, would, you would bring revelation and lead us on. That every one of us would walk this out more fully, more, more clearly, in a more real way in our lives. God, would you open up to us the things of your spirit and, and help us to have our, our thinking transformed, our lives transformed, come into the life you have for us more fully. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.